Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Power Your Life Radio Show with host and success doc Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining me on Power Your Life. This is Dr. Joanne White, and I want you to think about what's in your closet, your closets, your home closets, your apartment, your house closets, and then think about something else. What about your life closet? And many people say, what? Life closet? Well, Yeah, because if you're not cleaning out your life closet, you may have a lot of challenges, and we're going to figure out that out today with my special guest, Corby Mitlide. Corby is an author, a visionary who's made her own path rather than take one cut out for her by others. Leaving an Ivy League university, she struck out to find where joy and purpose lived, regardless of what she was told that she ought to do. Through divorces, a succession of jobs and spiritual paths, breast cancer not once, but three times, Corby's life path was a roller coaster. Within it all, she's learned the value of the examined life, meeting challenges and always asking questions and facing each situation with strength, courage and humor. Corby knows how to create a career out of experiences and brings those helpful tools to her clients. She's now a full-time intuitive counselor and an inspirational speaker, and her career has included being a professional actress, a television producer, a radio personality, an executive recruiter, and the power behind the throne for a number of high-profile CEOs. Welcome, Corby Mitleid, how are you? It is fabulous to be here, and, you know, we're not exactly wilting here in the heat, but I'm glad I'm in an air-conditioned room to come play. (laughs) That's good, because we want to play, and we want our listeners to have some fun with this, too. So somebody, I could see somebody out there in my mind scratching his or her head saying, what do you mean by cleaning out your life closet? So let's help them out here, Corby. All right. Um, We all have messy closets. If you remember the odd couple, Felix and Oscar, all of us have an inner Oscar. So (laughs) you know that there are the shoes at the bottom that, you know, were in fashion in 1982, but not now. And the dress that really looked great on you 30 pounds ago. And I have no idea what's in that box. I'm afraid to open it. Our life closet is like that. It's all of the things that we have collected over our lifetime that no longer fits us, that we've outgrown, was never us in the first place. And it's time to clean out what is no longer useful if we want to make our best life possible. You know, it's so important, but but how does somebody with 
somebody's thinking, how do you do it? I mean, I understand how to clean out my closet that's filled with clothes and, and shoes, and, but, but what about the life closet? What's different about that, and how do we help people kind of get to a, maybe a syst- systematic approach to do so? All right. There, in my book, Clean Out Your Life Closet, I've separated things out into four things, clarity, adaptability, simplicity, and making friends with stress. But the most important thing you have to do first is get clear. And I use the example of, well, if you want to look through a telescope, first you have to decide you're going to have a telescope. You aim it, you clean it, you focus it, you adjust the lens. And the way you can work with your own personal telescope I use the example of the three-legged stool. There are three places you must get clear in your life. You have to get clear on your purpose. What the heck did you come down here for? You have to get clear in your relationships, and that's family, friends, work, communities, not just your partner. And you need to get clear with spirit. And I really don't care if you're a Christian, Jewish, Muslim, pagan, believe in Ralph the Wonder Dog. That's not the point. It is being able to connect upstairs with whatever it is that loves us, wants the best for us, and is willing to work with us. You have those three legs solid on your clarity stool. You can go anywhere. So in terms of getting that clarity, what's, what's one of the most important steps to begin that process? You have to dis- literally decide that you want to get clear. That will keep you solid, doing what you need to do. Um, Cleaning the lens is, I always use important versus urgent. There's a big difference. Important are the things that mean the most to you. For me, it's getting um, my next book out. It is serving my clients well. It is having a, a good relationship with my husband. The urgent things, I call those the screaming ducks in your face. Imagine the Aflac duck at 7.30 7.30 in the morning, you're ready to work, and it goes, walk the dog, and you, that's an urgent. You have to make sure that you can separate out important from urgent and not let urgent take you over. You have to focus your telescope, and that's mindfulness. We all know when we try to multitask and hold 12 things in our brains at once, and they leak out the ears, nothing really gets done well, and Everyone out there has had one of those days, I thought I was getting so much done, and there's nothing. So when you focus, that one-pointed focus, mindfulness, it gets easier. Aim your you know, I wanted, it to, I wanted it to mention something in terms of urgency, because we, other people who may be in our, who are in our lives, whether it's friends or whatever, they may have a very different sense of urgency or what's urgent versus what we have. And oftentimes I believe that we put aside what we need to do for somebody else's urgency, which again is there may not even be urgent but in their mind is. How do we how do we approach that? All right, that's in uh my making friends with stress chapter. And that runs under um stress as mission creep. If you don't know what mission creep, I will invoke the late John McCain. Uh, He would understand this. Mission creep is when someone is assigned one task, but then others get piled on top of it. 
so that all of a sudden they realize they can't finish this and they've lost their objective. So my one of my favorite things is no is a fabulous idea. When you know that this is important to you, don't be afraid to say no. No, Cindy, I know you'd like to go take me shopping today, but I have this that's more important. And if people keep pushing, if they ignore your no, I mean, it's like somebody ignoring no on a date. You don't want to be with that person because your boundaries are not respected. Don't be afraid of saying no. Being a martyr really did go out of fashion at about 200 B.C., you know, it's interesting because many women are, are really kind of the ones that have difficulty saying no. We've been bred and, and taught to be caregivers in so many arenas. And, and yet there's also a way to say no lovingly and nicely and still get that point across that no. So I'm, I'm glad that you're talking about boundaries because it's so important. So you have yeah. something that talking about earlier that I think is is pretty interesting. You say to people, and it's also in your book, think like a Martian. Can you explain that to our listeners, Corby? Everybody loves that phrase, and they all kind of get stuck on it and look at me with big eyes. Okay, the whole point is... Martianized, Martian, right? Martian. Yes. The whole point is to find a different perspective. And the way I... I use it. I give you a simple situation. Let's say that you and I are together and there is water coming out of your eyes. I might look at you and say, why are you crying? But I could be wrong. A Martian would look at you and go, why is there water coming from your eyes? And the Martian, because he's not judging it, he's not thinking he knows what it's about. He just asks and maybe your contact lenses are bugging you or maybe there is um, uh, an allergy situation, too much goldenrod, or maybe there's an emotional basis. But because the Martian just asks about what he sees, he's open to all kinds of information, will probably find out the truth faster, and has a great time learning. That's your difference. I love it. And it's important because oftentimes the observer, and I don't think you're just talking about visual, we observe it on, on a feeling basis, on many, many arenas as well. But it's so important to really do that. And you talk about that, too, with respect to an examined life. How you talking mm-hmm. about you living an examined life. How do you judge and gauge what an examined life is, Corby? You try not to judge. An observation is not a judgment, necessarily. Um, The examined life is where something is occurring, and you're not going to escape it. You must deal with it. The examined life is, okay, this is happening. Maybe later why it's happening, but how will I deal with it? And for me, there's always the last question, and then how am I going to teach with it? That's always important to me. So let me quickly use the the cancer, okay? Um, I've had it twice. Then a year and a half after I finally got the right guy, just a year and a half married, they said, okay, um, you've got a, thir- a second primary, but that's three times. We're taking the rack. We're taking the ovaries. You're going from a Dolly Parton figure 
to a fat fire plug with permanent side effects and you have no choice and suck it up and deal. Boom. <laughs> well, I'm normal. I went home for 24 hours and I cried. And then I said, no, I know my lesson. Examine life. What can I find out about this that's good? I didn't care how stupid it was. So number one, you don't have them. You can't get cancer there. Number two, the top half is not going to get slammed in the refrigerator door at the doctor's every year. And every woman listening knows what I'm talking about. Third, huh? implants. Cool. I'll be perky till I'm 93. As a result, I was ready, went in, had the double mastectomy and reconstruction, one operation, walked out of Massachusetts General Hospital in three days, shopped for a bathing suit in five. That was 14 years ago. I'm still clean. Is my life different? Oh, yeah. Am I still married? Yes, and to the same man. That's the value of the examined life. You take the situation, you say, this is what I've got, and you make it work no matter what it takes for you internally. You know, I think that's so important because we need to be able to look at whatever situation comes up, and we're not always prepared like you were necessarily for breast cancer or or whatever situation, like I said, evolves. And yet we have to examine it from all different directions and find out how to live with it and what to do about it. So so that's so important. You have something that's, that I think is so interesting, and that is about making friends with stress. And I can see in my mind's eye people's eyes rolling, like, how do you do that? I mean, just get rid of it. I don't want it. I don't want it anymore. Just get rid of it. So how do we tell these these listeners what they need to do to really befriend stress? All right, the first thing I'm going to tell them to do is think about the white room analogy that John Lennon used to use. If you had a white room with a white piano with white keys and a white carpet and white drapes and you were dressed in white and the walls were white, that's all you know. Stress actually can wake us up to what we want, what we love, what we don't love, our own power. Uh, Now, there's good stress. What's good stress? That kick of adrenaline before you're about to run a race, um, that little bit of nausea and vertigo I used to get before I'd go out on stage, Um, the the, uh, little frisson of excitement when you're walking into an important exam. Because what that does is the adrenaline kicks you up to be at peak performance. Distress is chronic stress. And chronic stress is things like never saying no when you need to say no. Chronic stress is always wondering what someone is thinking about you. You know, one of my favorite sayings is what other people think of me is none of my business. Um, it is being sure that you have to double and triple check everything because something is going to go wrong. When you feel you're never good enough and your own voice is always screaming at you inside your head about you did this wrong, why are you bothering, etc. That's what I call living in Neverland. That's the kind of stress that does not work for us and we need to turn off. So the two stresses that I specifically talk about are, as we talked about, stress as mission creep and stress is the shot across the bow. With me, I have a sensitive system. Um, After menopause, you can get, uh, you know, insulin resistance. But when I didn't eat one day and instead just grabbed a couple of raspberry bars at the bakery where I was doing readings, 
immediately, blood pressure spiked, heart hammered, and I was very scared. But I looked up online and it said, yes, too much sugar in this system is a fast hit and in, in. Well, that was my wake-up call. And now, whenever I want to go for that really stupid rich dessert, I remember how I felt and I back off. I take it gradually. So that's an example of stress was my friend. Hit me upside the head with a clue break, said, you don't want to do this again. And I didn't. <laughs> In terms of your life story, because, yes, you've had, you, like you said, you've had breast cancer three times and you had to really come to terms with that. What about the other aspects of your life that, that you were dealing with when you were working with other people, with, when you were a television producer, an actress? What was going on there in terms of your life closet? Well, those were in my earlier years, 20s and 30s, when I didn't know how to get rid of stuff. But what I did learn from that is that when you are hypervigilant about what other people are thinking about you, you can't do your best job. So that's one of the things that I got rid of. Everything that I've done before, actress, author, inspirational speaker, executive recruiter, legal assistant, they all work now in my path as a psychic medium and intuitive counselor. And it reminds me to be compassionate. I'm not Madam Hoo-Ha. I'm not here to amaze you with my wiki. Well, I'm here in service. And very <laughs> often what people need is a good listening to, not being yammered at. So that's why, for instance, when someone sits down with me, I don't immediately pull out the cards and start saying, oh, well, Mercury is retrograde and blah, blah, blah. No, I look at them and say, what's the most important thing you want to walk out of here knowing? And if they go blank on me, I go Brooklyn on them and go, darling, what's biting your butt? Because everybody can pick out one of those. I find <laughs> out what they need, and I work with them to find their own strengths and show them what their options are. When You know, I, I think that's so important. Say that again because you're fading out. When I, was young, when I was younger, people never asked me what I wanted. And I know how much that hurt and made things difficult. So I ask people what they want, and it saves a lot of time, and they feel like this is someone who cares. And, you know, uh, when you're working with people like in, in the field that you are in and I'm in, it's very important to care and to, and to be compassionate and make it it's an, it real. It's not an act just, just to get clients. So in terms of what you were just talking about, Corby, that we need to let go of other people's judgments and opinions of us and not pay attention to that, especially in this world today where everything is, is kind of easily – seen, heard, whatever, through social media, through, through just, you know, the world on, to some extent is, is a smaller stage. How do people do that? Because many people are, like, they're putting up selfies and they, they want feedback and da-da-da-da-da. How do we get past that? Because I agree with you. I think it's so important and it interferes with what we're here to do. When I am uptight, when I have my biggest problems is when I'm centered on me. Turning ourselves in the other direction and looking at others, what do they need, is one of the best ways to calm us down. Not what do they need that I have to give them, but what do they need? Because we get out of our own pity parties. 
we stop thinking about us. We are such a me, me, me society these days, tribal, that the, the light workers, you know, however you want to read that phrase, and if you're listening, you are one. Mm-hmm. When we turn out, when we reach out, but still keep our own authenticity and our boundaries, we are the most powerful people on the planet. That's how you do it. I don't care if you are a Bernie bot, a Hillary person, or a Trumper. If you are hurting and you need help with your relationships, I will work with you. If I'm thinking about what my politics are and do I like you or do I not like you, where is the compassion in my work? Now, after I'm, I'm working, I'm going to do my own political thing or I'm going to be a vegetarian or I'm going to eat pastured meat or whatever I do. But when I am in service, I, what I am about doesn't matter. It's also one of the reasons why I never question what I tell someone, whether or not they're going to like it. I'll give you a very quick example. There was a woman I read for in Kitchener, Ontario. I go up there three times a year. This was the Labor Day show. And I saw that she was going to have certain challenges, not, you know, cursed, going to die, but certain challenges, which I told her about. And she gets up from my table and she says, you suck. And walks away. Now, you know, if I was, oh, my God, she doesn't like me, A, I would have screwed up for the rest of my clients. And B, I would have questioned what I had to say. But I didn't do that. I just said, live and be well. If the information is valid, she'll know. She comes back to me the very next time I'm in Canada and said, last time I blah, and I said, yes, I remember what you said. And she said, you told me I was going to take in a border, and then I was going to have to sell my house. And I thought that that was blank, blank, blank. But my daughter moved home pregnant, and now I want to sell my house to raise my grandson, and I still don't like you, but I want to know what else you see. Well, the first thing is don't shoot the messenger. But the second is because I simply stayed, you know, as John Holland says, the tube, I kept my ego out of it and simply compassionately told her what I saw. She got useful information. If I had tried to double back and maybe this and maybe that, she wouldn't have gotten that. When we get out of our own way is when we are of the most use to the world and to us. And it's and that's so valuable because it really not like you said it's not only helping other people but it, it it's also helping ourselves. So let's focus a little bit on the kind of work that you do. You were making reference to picking out cards, whatever. When you're doing a reading or working with a client, what's involved in that? Well, I am what I laughingly call a general practitioner. I do a lot of things. I am a certified professional tower reader. I've been reading since 1973. Tells you how old I am. Um, I also use other divination decks because that's good for the practical information. House, job, kids, finances. Okay, God, you put me here. What am I, what am I doing? And I always show them. It's not fortune telling because I want you to ask the empowering question. Don't ask me, is my business going to be successful? Because I look at you and say, and what if I said no and you're going to lose everything and live in a box under a bridge? Wrong question. 
We look at the energy around you, the energy around the business, the brick-and-mortar location you're looking at, how to market it, clients, competition, staff, finances, what you need to know, and best possible outcome. There, I've given you so much juicy information, you can put a rocket pack on your back and run with it. I have empowered you. Now, people say the stuff I see is astonishingly accurate. Well, I'm glad, but I don't worry about that. All I do is, again, be the tube. I am a past life expert. Robert Schwartz wrote two fabulous books, Your Soul's Planning, Your Soul's Gift, about pre-birth planning and what karma really is. Karma is not carrot and stick. Karma is five things, service, healing, contrast. You want to learn about abundance, you have to be both rich and poor. Unbalanced energy, that's a neutral, and healing of beliefs. So when I see a past life, I see it in real detail. Um, And people come to me with an obsession or a phobia or a place they either love or hate that they don't understand. um, And we pick that up. The perfect example to that, a woman came to me and say, my son is so attached to me that I'm worried about him when he grows up. And I also want to know, I think I died in World War II. What was going on with that? Well, again, upstairs, be the tube. Within about five seconds, I went, okay, I see you. It's Normandy. You had a platoon of people. Your kid was the youngest one. Uh, He was one of the soldiers, and he was paralyzed. You pulled him off the beach. You saved his life. You took the bullets for him. You ended up dying about two weeks later from the wounds, but he lived. And she looks at me white-faced and says, we have never understood why he always called me Sarge. We didn't know where he picked it up. Nothing. Wow. But she understood that kind of energy. So that's why past lives are important. Yes, I talk to spirit guides and angels. And yes, I'm a medium. But as I say cheerfully, I'm not dial dead. If Aunt Mabel's on a field trip, she may not be by the phone. So <laughs> people get to choose when they sit with me. They may desperately need closure with their Uncle Harold. Or they may have the new business, or they may be really looking at why am I having difficulties in my marriage, or whatever. They get to choose. That's the important thing. I want them to leave with tools. And again, that's part of not being so self, not being self-judging, just being the mirror for them and the Martian in how I think. And it's so important to do that and to be that mirror because sometimes people forget to look in the mirror or when they do, they're looking at it at it with some level of distortion and what you're doing is kind of clearing it to some extent so they can really see it on, on the, the terms that they need to. So that's important. Speaking of past lives, I do some of that too. And it's so interesting when parents come in and talk about their kids who have memories about past lives and whatever, and the parent may not have believed in it, but but it's so difficult to not be convinced with with sometimes with all of that incredible information that this their child is spewing and is understanding at some level. So I I, I think it's important too and very healing and fascinating. Tell us about this book, how you got started with it, why you wrote it. And what's the intention that you have for it with with, uh, our readers? You know, I've always been a writer. I I jokingly say that words are my drug of choice. And everyone said, oh, you're you're so funny. 
um, you um, you speak so well, you should write a book. And I'm thinking there are a bajillion self-help books out there. So why should I bother? What's the point? But the key is you write what you know. And I knew that I had more than my share of mistakes and double backs and general stupids, but I had gotten through them. And so maybe they would help other people. So I started to write about all of that, the dysfunctional family, the career crazies, the divorces, the cancer dance. And nowhere did I write about, oh, poor me, because that's not the point. The point is that whatever crossed my path, remember, I'm a teacher. I looked at and said, okay, you're a problem. Let's solve you. And then how can I use you? Because that's what happens when you're a teacher. You always look to pass on what you've learned. So I wrote a book that didn't try to tell people this is what you have to do because I don't know your life or the life of somebody in Des Moines, Iowa, who picked it up. But I tried to make it accessible and I tried to make it funny. And at the end of each chapter, there's a little bit of magic. There are what I call the adventure pages. This is where you have open-ended questions that you get to answer to decide whether my information is useful for you. For instance, in getting clear in your relationships, some of the questions would be, what are the toughest things about making good relationships for you? How can what you read in this chapter help you change your relationships in others? Turn it on its head. How can what you read in this chapter help you have a better relationship with yourself? Now, notice those will be pinpoint specific to each individual reader. So by the end of the book, if they've done those questions, they've written the book with me. I am not a guru that's telling them how to live. They are understanding who they are. They're owning their own strengths and skills. And they will know what they want to keep in their life closet and what they want to ditch. You know, it's important because when when you have those questions at the end and, and people have to do a little bit of soul searching, it empowers them to find the answers rather than somebody handing it to them because they've, they've actually had to go through a, a, a process of self-discovery, self-getting real, whatever it is, to really hone in on what's important to them. So, so kudos to, to you for that because I think that's so important. You talk a lot about flow, and you and I understand flow from many different directions in terms of healing, in terms of energy, whatever. What do you mean by flow as it relates to clearing out somebody's life closet? Think about a stream, and the water is flowing, and then there's this rock. The stream does not say, Damn it, rock, get out of my way. You're just doing it to make me late. It doesn't try to kick at the rock. It just goes around the rock. And sometimes that's what we have to do. Um, when we hold on, hold on to one idea of perfection, we can't morph into something else. Um, you know, I talk in there about I love cooking. It's, it's therapy for me. And Flow is I was planning to make this. I'm missing two ingredients. What can I substitute or how can I change? And dinner still gets on the table. And it may be a little unusual, but it's dinner. I didn't sit there panicking. Oh, my God, I don't have the Worcestershire sauce and the Dijon mustard. What am I going to do? So flow is when you can look at any situation. And instead of panicking, getting angry, 
It's how can I work with it? What do I need to do? And if the rock is so big that you're never going to get through it, around it, over it, or under it, you look at that and say, maybe I'm not supposed to do that. And you turn around and leave. And you don't get angry. You just say, great, where's my next path? Flow is don't stupid get in the way. And and it, what's what's important too, what you just said is the ability to to determine maybe okay, I this rock isn't or it's not really a rock, it's a boulder, and it's really interfering, and and I'm supposed to do something else. Oftentimes, and you and I know this from 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 our experiences, oftentimes a situation like that has let for me personally has led me into a totally new direction that I was really meant to be, like an injury that happened. Just re- So it shifted my whole career. It shifted me in a way that, it, that I needed to be shifted. And without that boulder, without that rock, I wouldn't have been able to do that or, or had the wherewithal at the time. So, so I think that's so important. Corby, you and I could talk forever because I love your book, Clean out your life closet. I I admire who you are, and yes, you have a great sense of humor, which allows us to have fun. Tell people. Yes. Oh wait, we have somebody here. Who are you doing any readings on the show? Um, I can. I'm not doing mediumship because I consider that a very private one-on-one thing. But if they have a question, I can certainly answer it. Okay, so let's see who this is. Um, hold on. Hello, you're on the air. Hi, thanks a, for taking my call. Do you have a question for Corby? Yes, I'm currently looking for a new job. I was wondering if you see anything coming through for me, a good okay. place, a better place first, than what I have. Um, what's your name, please, first name? Oh, uh, yeah, hi, my first name is... Anna, A-N-N-A. Okay, and Anna, when's your birthday? Just month and day. January 28th. All right, the first thing I'm going to do for you is a little bit of numerology. Our lives go in nine-year cycles. And the way I find out where you are right now is they take your month and day. So 28 plus 1 is 29. Then I add this year's master number of 2. 2 plus 0 plus 1 plus 8 is 11. 1 plus 1 is 2. And that's a, a, a 31. And 3 plus 1 is 4. So four years yeah. are very good for work, for career. So you've already got a tailwind there, okay? Yeah. Now, uh, let me see weeks, months. Um, upstairs is saying weeks, not months. I'm going to see how long until you land. I take it you're already looking for the new position? Yeah, I'm applying. I'm looking. I have an interview okay. coming up. All right. Uh, one, two, three. Third part is the sun. The sun rises. There's going to be light shed on this new possibility within three weeks. Uh, four, five, six, seven. Seven weeks is the third of cups. That's the woo celebration card. So I think probably mm, end of September, very beginning of October, you're going to get some superb news. Now, the key for you is remember, first couple of months, yeah. Absorb. Be a sponge. Never say in my old job we, because I guarantee you, you will not make friends. Okay? But in my old job, make friends? 
No, 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 no. When someone goes into a new job and says, oh, well, in my old job, we did it this way, and they're constantly doing that, the people in the new job don't like it. So you will not make friends at the new job talking oh. about your old job. That's right, right. Listen, right, right. be open. Um, but I think it's going to be a job that you enjoy because I'm feeling spark and energy, and you have needed some new people around you to really remind you of what you've got. The old people have were taken for granted. Sorry? I, no, I said wonderful because we're running out of time. So did you get what you needed from Corby? I didn't get the last two sentences. I think you will enjoy the new job because you've needed some new people around you for a long time. Um, do you have a phone number for or a website for your um we're, we're going to announce that in a few moments because we're running out of time. So listen okay, up, and you, you will also find that. Thank, thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you. Corby, since yes, people want to know how to get a hold of you and also want to find out how to get this book and how you can help them, can you share with our listeners that information so that people can connect and contact you? You bet. I'm all over. You can go to my website, <laughs> CorbyMitleid.com. That's C-O-R-B-I-E-M-I-T-L-E-I-D. You can find me on Facebook, both Corby Mitleid and my spiritual page, Fire Through Spirit. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Corby Mitleid. You can find my book on Amazon. It comes as a paperback and Kindle and an audio book, which I've read. And you can always reach me at 877-321-2672, 877-321-CORBY. Wonderful. Thank you. So do you have any parting words for our listeners? Go have fun. My darlings, stop <laughs> worrying about what other people are thinking. Stop worrying about the impression. Um, life is short. We, you know, and while we reincarnate, you only get one shot at the personality you are now. Take every day, live it right down to the rind. And remember, the object is that you get to get up in the morning. You don't have to get up in the morning. Look at life that way, and you will grab it by both hands. Wonderful. Corby, you are a blessing. Thanks so much for being on Power Your Life, and have a blessed day. And to you, thanks so much. My pleasure. Take care. So remember what Corby said. We're switching gears next week. But what Corby said is you really have to take a look at cleaning out your life closet. What's in there that's really getting in the way of your sense of clarity, your sense of purpose, and being able to live a life, as Corey was talking about, have fun that's fun, that's fruitful, that's passionate, that's that's filled with service, and that's connected to your life purpose. So remember to take time, you, time for you to do just that. And next week we're shifting gears. September 5th, I have Yvonne Talley breaking up with busy. Not so much busy in, <clears throat> excuse me, your closet, but in the interactions and what you need to do to really get clarity with that respect. Remember, 
If you want to get a hold of me, you can go to joanne at docwhite.org or check out my website. I'll give you the short version, docwhite.org. And each and every day, you have the ability, the chance, the opportunity to make steps forward, take a few steps forward into your life to doing what it is you need to do, what it is you've come here to do, to empower yourself. Do that today. And thanks so much for joining us. Have a blessed day, a blessed evening, wherever you are. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.